Hello, I'm Ronnie Lutz. This is The Liner Project. Episode 102, Take 5. Yes, I have recorded this a couple of times, or more than a couple of times, I suppose. I didn't really like the first couple of takes I did, and then this morning I was trying to record, and I had some trucks outside. They're doing, redoing our asphalt, so it's just been a little bit of a problem to get these get this episode completed correctly. It just was, I don't know, kind of boring. I talked with my wife through it, and we've and I decided to kind of change it and do some other stuff. But we will still be doing the same song. It's Neil Young. It's Southern Man in Alabama. We'll kind of get into the homework first, and then we'll move on to the song. I got a lot of submissions last week. I want to thank everybody that did it. People did get their surprise in the mail. Not actually a surprise any longer. We will be pulling the names for last episode on Insta and TikTok. You'll be able to see who wins. And then we'll be getting address and sending those out. It's not a surprise any longer. Now it's just a prize. My wife came up with this idea. And she originally thought, since I mostly talk about liner notes in this liner project, that we should have an album cover and then she thought oh well maybe i'll put the songs on the back that you're going to do this year so it looks exactly like an album and then she thought well i can put an album on the inside and maybe you can sign that and then she went even farther and thought you know i have some vellum paper i can print your show notes your outline that you go through and you i can print that on the vellum and it'll look like actual liner notes on the inside and then we signed the record and then put two stickers in it so hopefully everyone that gets those will enjoy them now I'll move on to this week's episode. We talked about in our quiz slash statements that the singer was Canadian. That's Neil Young. And the songs made another singer-songwriter write a huge Southern rock anthem. And those songs are Southern Man, Alabama. A Southern Man came out in 1970. It was on the album After the Gold Rush, which is a great album. It'll be linked in the notes. So will the song. And it's a... It's a very striking song. It's very jarring if you haven't ever listened to it before. It really hits a chord against the South. So one of the the first lyrics go, I saw cotton. And I saw black. Tall white man. Southern man. So in this, he's talking about opposites, right? He's talking about the opposition of white cotton, black skin, white mansions, little shacks. He's talking about the immense wealth that the South built from slavery versus the atrocities that happened to the black people. And he's asking, when will they get paid back? That has been a topic a long time. Won't be a topic that I can talk about today. I can't talk intelligently about it, so I'm not going to talk about it at all. But reparations are a thing that have been discussed in the past, and they have been done in other countries. Then he gets into the meat of what I want to talk about, which is Southern men, keep your head, don't forget what your good book says. Southern change is going to come at last. Now you're across burning fast so he's talking about the kkk here he's talking about crosses burning and he's talking about the terrorism and the fear that the kkk causes i'm not going to go a ton into the kkk although i'm going to tell a little bit about their history and one of the reasons why i didn't like the first couple episodes that i recorded of this is because it felt like 
I was just kind of telling the history of the KKK, which I was, but I kind of wanted to do something a little different. So there is going to be the history of the KKK. Then there's going to be a story about a man named Daryl Davis, which I hope you enjoy. And if you've heard about him, I'm sure you already know the story. But if you don't, it should be a fun story. And then at the end, we're going to talk about, of course, we're going to talk about the homework for the next episode, but we're also going to talk a little bit about Black Lives Matter. So that's where we're at today. There were basically three iterations of the Klan. The first iteration of the Klan started on Christmas Eve of 1865. This started just a matter of months after the Civil War ended. It started in Pulaski, Tennessee with six former CSA soldiers. It's unknown how many members they had, but the people in charge of the KKK at the time said about 400 to 500,000, but who knows. At this time, the KKK didn't have any white robes, they didn't burn crosses. In the beginning, they pretty much didn't even wear masks, but as it got a little longer and after 1867, 1868, when when they got to be really violent and pretty much open revolt against the United States government, they did wear masks, but not the masks that you see today. By 1871, U.S. Grant, Ulysses S. Grant, the greatest initials for a president ever, I won't speak on how good of a president he is, but anyway, he had great initials, had signed the Enforcement Act of 1871. It was also known as the Civil Rights Act, Force Act of 1871, KKK Act, Third Enforcement Act, had a lot of names. It did four, well, did three main things, and one was a byproduct. The president suspended writ of habeas corpus. The president used federal soldiers instead of state militias, and they prosecuted in a federal court. When they prosecuted in a federal court, they also used predominantly black juries. All of these prosecutions destroyed the Klan. By 1871, 1872, the Klan was defunct. It was not worth it to the people anymore. They had basically destroyed it. And the Klan was gone until 1915. There was no Klan. It probably would have been a footnote in history if not for the fact that a guy wrote a book and then a guy made a hugely successful movie off of that book. The book was The Klansman by Thomas Dixon Jr. In this book, he talked about the Klan burning Latin crosses, which was never a thing that they had ever done before. And he invented the white robes that they wore with the white mass. Although... They looked a little different in the movie than they look nowadays. He did invent it. He was a Scottish ancestry, and he drew upon the Scottish tradition of Crantera. Crantera was a way to get people together, call all the clan members, the Scottish clans, to arms. The book was fairly famous, but not big. But then a gentleman by the name of D.W. Griffith wrote a movie called The Birth of a Nation. And this movie was a huge success, and it followed right along with the book. It was three hours long. It was the first movie ever shown in two parts with an intermission. It was the first movie to ever have a musical score. It pioneered close-ups and fade-outs, and even though there were close-ups and fade-outs prior to this, it it did it better than anyone had ever done it. It had a 13-page souvenir program. It was the first American motion picture screened in the White House. It was screened by President Woodrow Wilson and lots of other governmental administration. It had white actors in blackface. It portrayed all the black people as dumb and very sexually aggressive. It portrayed the KKK as heroes. The KKK in this movie were protecting American values. The box office was not known at the time, but it's believed to have made between $15 million and $100 million. Inflation adjusted today, that'd be about $1.8 billion. It would be one of the most successful movies of all time first instance of a cross being burned in the U.S. happened 10 months after the birth of a nation premiered. A guy named William J. Simmons burned a cross on the top of Stone Mountain, Georgia, and he revived the KKK. It was attended by 15 charter members, so 15 new people, and a few old members from the original KKK. Within the first six months, they had 85,000 members. By the mid-20s, 
they had three to six million. That's the estimate. I have no clue how many they really had. Then there was a lot of infighting, a lot of corruption, which led to the downfall. And by the mid-40s, they only had 30,000 members from 1915 to 1925, three to six million people, 25 to 40, 30,000 members. That was pretty much it for the clan. They were gone again basically until the mid-50s to the 60s. That's when the current clan came about. This clan was reinvigorated by the civil rights movement and desegregation. Clans would ally themselves with the local police departments in the South and would cause terror and kill people and beat people and basically be there for voter suppression during the 60s civil rights movement. There are only currently about three to 8,000 members of the Klan. There aren't that many, and they're very disparate. There's about 130 chapters in the U.S. None of them are national. They're all local. There may be some state level, but nothing national. And that's where the Klan's at today. One of the things that people don't maybe don't know is that the Klan is not designated a terrorist group. It's designated as a domestic extremist group. And the reason why it's done that is the reason why it is like that is because the government, the American government, has never designated a domestic group as a terrorist group. Maybe in the 20s when it had 3 to 6 million people, it certainly should have been. Now it's only got three to 8,000 people, so I don't think it ever will be. But it is designated as a domestic extremist group. There are no domestic groups that are designated as terrorist groups. Typically a terrorist group would have to be a group of people that aren't born in America in another country that cause a national security threat to the U.S. That ends the story of the KKK for me, at least as a part of a group of hate. And what I want to talk about now is a gentleman named Daryl Davis. In 1983, Daryl Davis was asked to play, he was a piano player, a blues musician. He was asked to play at an all-white venue in Frederick, Maryland. When he got done, a white guy walked over to him, obviously, since it was all-white. He was the only black guy in the whole place, and told him that he had never seen a black man play like Jerry Lee Lewis before. And Daryl Davis said, well, don't you know that Jerry Lee Lewis was inspired by all these black artists. And he was like, no, that's not true. Anyway, they began to talk and the guy and Daryl Davis sat down and to have a drink. Eventually it came out based on some things that the white guy had said that he was KKK. And finally he got, he told Daryl Davis that he was a member of the KKK. That he had never sat down to drink with a black man before. Through some talking with this gentleman, Daryl Davis got to meet an Imperial Wizard of Maryland. He wasn't an Imperial Wizard at this time. He was Grand Dragon. I'm not going to go over all their titles. The Ku Klux Klan has some crazy titles if you want to look it up and go for it. But Imperial Wizard would be the person over the whole state. So Daryl Davis got to meet the Imperial Wizard of Maryland. His name was Roger Kelly. Daryl Davis tells a story about going into the hotel, meeting him for the first time. And Kelly's bodyguard had a gun on his hip and... It was just very scary, and the whole time, the guy was kind of, Kelly was kind of berating Davis, and Davis was just very calm. He wasn't, he never let it get heated. Eventually, they had many of these kind of conversations, and Kelly would actually invite Davis over to his house. They became really close friends. Kelly would invite Davis to clan rallies and cross burnings and there are pictures of Davis being with Kelly at a Klan rally with the crosses burning in the background. Davis became such good friends with Kelly that Kelly asked Daryl Davis, a black man, to be his daughter's godfather. He eventually turned Roger Kelly from the KKK. Roger Kelly gave him all of his robes, his, everything that he had, all of his KKK regalia. 
Daryl Davis has, since that day, turned about 200 people from the KKK. The majority of them give him their KKK regalia, and he is going to eventually start a museum with all of the KKK stuff. And like we talked in the first episode, those flags shouldn't be thrown away. They shouldn't be forgotten. They need to be there as a reminder of our history. One of the things I wanted to talk about is some of Daryl Davis's quotes. And this is one. He says, Give them a platform. You challenge them, but you don't challenge them rudely or violently. You do it politely and intelligently. And when you do things that way, chances are they will reciprocate and give you a platform. And then another one is, he says, The most important thing I learned is that when you are actively learning about someone else, you are passively teaching them about yourself. I think that's a powerful statement. The fact that you are learning about them makes them understand you. And the most important thing, the most important thing is he would calmly ask this question, how can you hate me if you don't even know me? Very powerful. How can you hate me if you don't even know me? Daryl Davis is an inspiration. He's a guy that goes out there, puts himself out there, very dangerous situations. He certainly may have gotten killed on many situations, but he's made it through. He has turned a lot of people away from the KKK. There are some detractors from Daryl Davis. There are some people that believe that it is not the right thing to do the way he does it. I'm not here to tell you why or how or if it's right. What I'm here to say is that Daryl Davis has found a way to get people to understand that he is not bad and that black people aren't bad. And how can you hate someone if you don't even know them? That kind of ends the chapter on the KKK. I really wanted to end on kind of a higher note. I wanted to end on something where you can see that there is hope. There is a way. People do leave the KKK. There are people that once they understand that there are no differences, they finally understand it and become less racist. So now we'll move on to the next episode. We'll move on to the homework for the next episode. The homework for the next episode is as follows. One, this band... Most of the band members of this band were born in Jacksonville, Florida. Number two. Most of the members of this band died in an airplane crash in 1977. And number three. This song is based on the two songs that we heard this week. So I need the name of the band and the name of the song. Now I'm going to talk about something that's a little near and dear to my heart. It's the Black Lives Matter movement. The reason why I did these first three episodes at this time is because of the Black Lives Matter movement. The first three episodes are dedicated to the Black Lives Matter movement. It's important for people to understand what this movement is trying to do. It is trying to let people know that black lives are important. For one of the first times in American history, people have the ability and have said black lives matter. This does not negate your life. If you are not black, I am not black. This does not negate my life mattering because my life does matter. But all lives can't matter until black lives matter. And at this point, black lives do not matter to the police and to our government. When black lives matter, when black people are treated the same as white people, then you might be able to say that all lives matter because it will be true. But until then, it is not true. Sign up. See what's on their website. If you can, donate to their website. If you can't, sign up for their newsletter and get out there that we still remember. All of the atrocities of the past, from the Confederacy to the slavery to KKK to George Floyd and the 
innumerable amount of other people that have been killed by the institutions in this country deserve more than they've had. And they don't deserve to be forgotten. And it is easy to forget things in the past. Today, it's even more important to go to blacklivesmatter.com and sign up. Do something about it. Anything is better than nothing. I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. I am truly enjoying doing it. It's a great time, and I look forward to the next episode where we get to talk about some other great stuff. Thank you.